And the longer you walk with the Lord, the more you realize you don't know much. But he knows the way that I should take. He knows the way. And then when he leads you in the way, the Bible says, leads you in the way everlasting, you realize that his purpose was better than what you thought, regardless of how you got there. Because there are many people probably still wondering how you got to where you got now, and simply it's because of the grace of God has maneuvered your life into a place where he can finally speak to you. Sometimes it takes hardship in order for God to get your attention. The world is at attention right now. And this is not a time for the believer to step back and to hold back. It's time for the believer to step up and step out. This is the believer's time. We always talk about, well, the world is going to hell in the handbasket. That might be true, but what is your response to that? Are you going with them? This cannot be the time that you step back and that you take a back seat and say, well, I'm going to let somebody else do it. They're not going to do it. God's called you to do it. And God has specifically raised up this body for this time and this purpose, no matter what you think you see and what you don't see, that God is doing a work behind the scenes, getting the body ready, getting the body ready. And that has to be a constant reminder to the believer that God is getting the body ready. God is not going to reveal the bride until he's ready. The body has to be ready. And there's a sense of that. If you have a keen ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, you can have a sense that God is getting the body ready as he begins speaking to me lately about, I'm getting the body ready. I'm getting you ready. And so as we read in the book of Philippians tonight, as we kick off week two of the awe of God, I missed it, did a great job last week kicking it off and understanding how context matters. The awe of God is not something that we should be afraid of. It's not something that we should shrink back from. It's something that you should take note of and to realize that God is probably bigger than you think he is. And your view of God determines how, not only how you see him, but how you live your life daily, not just on Sunday. So the book of Philippians, we're in chapter two and it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's simple. Work out your own salvation. It has nothing to do with the person next to you. It has everything to do with how you feel God is prompting you and leading you in your life. Because when it's all said and done, your response to God is, well, it was because of what they did. God said, no, 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 it has nothing to do with what they did. It's what I asked you to do, you to do. So as we look at the scripture in the Greek, workout means this, the word is katergazomai. It's close. <laughs> down exactly according to or intensifying. If you drop down, work or accomplish, literally work down to the end point to an exact definite conclusion bring to decisive finality an end or a conclusion. God is working in you to bring the validity of his existence to a conclusion so that there is no doubt that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he's going to do. 
It's one of the many reasons why when God gets ready to move in your life that there is an uncomfortability and there is a shift because it's God who's doing it inside of you. Many people look at their life and say, what is happening in my life? God is shifting things around. And when God begins to shift things around, the things that you used to hold on to, you cannot hold on to anymore because God begins to kick those things out because those are the things that you use for comfort when you're not comfortable. And you can't go into deeper levels of God holding on to what was comfortable because it's impossible to get a new revelation of God if you're always holding on to the old revelation of God because you set up some sort of monument and shrine to the way God moved then and you think God is going to do it then. And people get stuck when God delivers them or moves them from one season to another and they get stuck and they rest. But God never has called you to stop never has called you to hold back. He's always calling you on. As a matter of fact, when you look at the Old Testament, it was the presence of God that moved Israel on. When the presence of God moved, guess what? It was time to go. Do you recognize the presence of God in your life and when he's asking you to do something, do you have an understanding when God is in the room? Or are you so callous that you can't recognize the presence of God when it enters. There's a difference in the presence of God and the tangible presence of God. When God manifests his tangible presence, it's a tangible, it's just that, a tangible presence that you can feel. And as believers, God has called us to walk in the manifest presence of God daily. This is not about a one-time thing. This is what bothers me about church life is that people go from, church experience to church experience because they've lost that love and feeling during the week. And so they have to get back to their worship set on Sunday and they walk in with their coffees and they're like, what's that? Are you in the third row? And they're in the third row because it becomes some sort of worship experience for them, almost like a concert. And it's never really about a revelation of God's presence because during the week, God was absent. He was absent. So I got to feel good again. So I got to get to my spot and get ready to go because the next 20 minutes are going to determine how my day goes. And that is a false sense of the presence of God and a weak foundation to build your life upon. Because when Monday hits and you lose that love and feeling, you're going to wait six more days to feel good again? You need the presence of God daily. This is what this word means, working it out daily. Not experience to experience, that when I wake up tomorrow, that his mercies are new every day, that his compassions fail not, that God is continuing his work in my life so that the presence of God can be manifest through me. And that means he's got to get some of you out of the way so that he can flow through you. That's what understanding the awe of God is, that when I wake up tomorrow, yesterday is dead. It's dead. I need something new for today because I'm about to go into a workplace that doesn't glorify or honor God, and I'm going to need the presence of God to hold me together. That's why there's a benefit into you leaning into God, and we talk about leaning into God in your quiet time, but practicing the presence of God, practicing the presence of God. That means getting alone with God and recognizing him being in the room, that as God, he is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. In your bathroom, in your bedroom. He is everywhere at the same time. You can get delivered in the shower. 
And I know people who do this. They get in the shower. They turn up the worship music. The steam's coming out of the shower. They're having a manifest presence of God moment. The Shekinah glory falls down in the shower. The shampoo falls off the rack because the Holy Spirit moves inside. They come out of the shower. They're sweating. They're crying. Man, God's good. God met him in the shower. Some of the best times. Just you and God. Why? You're vulnerable. Nothing to hide. And that's another message. You're laid out before God. And God said, we can, we can do some stuff right now because it's just you and me. And sometimes I just go there to hide. Because I know that this is my time. And the Lord began to download some stuff in me. Help me process so that when I get out, I feel better just about what I'm looking at. In my life because there's so many distractions that are vying for your attention and so many things that people are saying that you have to brush off during the week. So many voices that you're hearing on how you're not good enough and how you're not going to be able to move into God's purpose because you'll never get over this and all those things you got to filter out in the presence of God helps you filter that stuff out and break stuff off you so that in the presence of God you realize, wait, there is fullness of joy. Wait a minute, there is freedom. God is actually for me. He's not against me. That's what the presence of God does. And as you practice it, you realize that he's actually with you, that there's nothing that can come against you, that he doesn't give you the grace to hold up against and actually win and overcome, including the opinions of other people. But if you are not there and you are so concerned about what other people are saying, you miss out on the beauty of the freedom that Jesus wants to give you in his presence. There are certain people, when I get in their presence, it reminds me how much more I need the presence of God. There are things that God is asking you to do that you don't have the pedigree for, some you don't have the degree for, you don't have all the tools, but the Holy Spirit is going to equip you to do what he's called you to do, just like he equipped Moses and then he equipped Joshua. He said he's going to equip you and give you what you need to accomplish what he's called you to accomplish. The problem that people have when it comes to the fear of God is that they let their inferiority stop them from moving into God and allowing God to make up the difference and for God to empower you to do the things he has called you to do. If I were to look back over my life, there is no way in the stuff that I came out of that I should be doing probably some of the stuff I, I'm doing today just because of how jaded and jacked up my mental and my emotional state were just because of where I came from. There's no way. But because the Spirit of God made up the difference and because he drew me in and he said, you don't have to be afraid of me. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. I already know everything about you. And by the way, if you know that someone already knows everything about you, it's easier for you to open up and say, it doesn't matter what it looks like. You already know the raw in me anyway. You already saw my thought last week. So if he already sees and perceives my thought from afar off, why can't I just be me, get through the process quicker, and alleviate God having to chase me through all these different seasons and breakup and hardship, finally to get my attention to say, okay, are you ready yet? Because that's what it takes for most people. God's calling. It's not that God's not calling. He is calling and drawing. But people are withdrawing because of what they perceive God is asking them to do. And more importantly, how they view God 
in relation to them. And because of that fear, what they do is they hold back, thinking that, well, if I hold back just enough, there'll be enough of me and enough of my security I can hold on to. But in reality, what you're doing is you're losing your life because you're holding on to it. If you would just let go and say, okay, God, you already saw it before I did it. You already knew what was going to happen before it happened. And just be honest with God. I promise you that he will move you through stuff quicker and bring healing into your life faster because you're willing to be vulnerable before a God who already knows you. You can hide from your wife, but you can't hide from God. And even if you're in a position of where you think you're hiding, you're not. Because God has a long reach and will flush you out of hiding. We had a conversation in our house today about people and the way they perceive things. And you begin to see the differences between kids who were raised in a godly home as opposed to kids who were not raised in a godly home. One does have an advantage because if you practice open communication and that you provide an environment for your kids to be kids and allow them to voice their frustration, you will help them build a strong foundation on Jesus Christ and not the world. And so we endorse free speech in our house so that kids can process through stuff no matter how raw it is and take down the offense that we might have because we were once like them and in process ourselves. And so there are things that happen in our home that may not happen in your home because we feel like it's important just to get it out because it fosters trust so that the next time things happen, that there is a relationship that's there between the kid and the parent, and it's not breached. Some of y'all struggle, and we're going to get to that in a minute, with your relationship with God because your parents didn't do the job that you think they should have done, and there's a breach in that relationship. And because there's a breach in that relationship, you project that onto God like God's going to break my trust. And if you don't think that's a huge thing, we are missing out on one of the biggest ploys the enemy uses is to go back into your childhood and to show you what you didn't get and to make you turn and get upset at God because of what you didn't get. And then instead of moving into God, you move away from God because trust was broken then. And you think the same thing, that God's going to break your trust. And the enemy has you in this match with, well, it was better back in Egypt, but God said, I've called you out of Egypt to go into the promised land. And so you're straddling both, trying to figure out which way to go. And all of God, well, God is trying to pull you toward him, but the enemy's trying to pull you toward back then. The question is, is that, What's going to break eventually? Something has to break. Either you're going to say, you know what, I'm going back or I'm going in because God can't have it both ways. So the conversation came up in our home about some things that some of her friends were doing, one of my daughter's friends were doing. And immediately, immediately inside of me, I said, they're not coming back over here. And of course they argued, well, can they come like one at a time? This one, she's not here tonight, is very smart. Because I said, in this house, we flush stuff out. So whatever's trying to come in and trying to bring deception, we flush stuff out in here. So if, that's hap- if that spirit's coming in here, we're going to deal with that right now. And so we get on it in our house. And the reason why some of y'all don't necessarily like it all the time here is because we get on stuff and we flush it out. Not a lot of people like stuff flushed out because they like to get backed up. 
They'd rather walk around constipated spiritually rather than flush stuff out. You don't think? Talk to someone who's not walking with the Lord like you're walking with the Lord, and immediately you can say, oh, they got stuff. There's stuff. And you know it because the Lord has helped deliver you and free you from things and called you to speak against some stuff. And so you have to speak against that stuff because that person is so bound up that they can't move. You don't think so? Just keep looking. Keep looking on social media. All the friends you used to have who are all bound up, you know. And they don't like relationship with you because you call stuff out and it's uncomfortable and they'd rather stay away from you or do the distance, the high and by distance. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Busy. You don't really want me in your life. And we've talked about this, Misty and I. We're just talking openly tonight. There are certain people, they just don't want you in their life. No matter how much they say, I'm for you and we're together, they don't because you're a problem. That's why the enemy comes against you the way he comes against you because you are a problem for him. Question one, do you have a relationship with God when no one is looking? Or has it become a show? The Pharisees, they were noted for their show. They would pray elaborate prayers, thinking that God would hear them and they would babble on. And Jesus rebuked them and said, when you pray, don't be like these Pharisees who keep babbling on. But when no one's looking, in your downtime, do you have a relationship with God? I'm not saying 24-7, it's like you're like one of the angels and you're bowing down prostrate. I don't want to see like, I'm on break and all you're doing is this. What are you doing? Well, I'm worshiping God on my break. We're not saying that. We're not saying you have to be weird or abnormal, but we are saying that there has to be a posture so that in the in-between times, there's some sort of presence of God that's with you and you acknowledge God with you. So that when situations come up, you can come against those situations and actually use the power that's inside of you and don't shove God down. Don't shove them down. Because sometimes God wants to break out at unopportune times, but you get nervous and you don't, hold on, boy. And, you sh- and God's moving and God wants you to say something and you like say it, but you don't say it like you should say it. You go around it. You're like, you know, because in your mind, you're not ready, but the spirit of God's ready. Because the Bible says the spirit is always willing, but the flesh is weak. How many times, I want you to think over the last couple of weeks, where you might have felt an unction or the spirit of God moving you to say something, you're like, I'm not ready. When no one's looking, God will interrupt your process and say, speak. And conversations will pop up when you don't think. That's why when you get up tomorrow, you already have the mindset that says, okay, I'm ready for the day. It's coming anyway. Let's just be ready. Go in looking for it. Just go in. Just stop waiting for it to come. And then you're like, I don't know where that came from. Just be ready. We're at a day and time right now where you've got to get up and be proactive and be ready. Get the armor on and say, let's get after this thing. And bring the fight to where you're going. Bring it. Why? Because the Spirit of God is actually going with you. This year, it's about action here. Action. We're bringing it to where we're going. We're not waiting for it to come. God said, I'm asking you to step out and do it and to be ready. Be ready. Second question. Do you expect God to show up or do you view him as an absentee father? I can't. I can't because my dad didn't come to my baseball game. And we laugh. But this gets attached. He said he was going to come and he didn't come. And so it was me and my mom who all we did was just go to a baseball game. My dad said he was going to come, and he never did. And my dad made all these promises, and he never showed up. And it was always like he was gone or distant. Does that 
sound like a story of yours. Or furthermore, said things like, you know, we didn't really want you, but it happened. The ultimate form of rejection. Had a kid, then turned around and said, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And had to deal with that form of rejection. Long story short, and Missy has said this before, her relationship with her dad is non-existent. It's not like the dad did not reach out and ask for a relationship, not until we had our own kids and said, I'm ready to meet my grandkid, but never had a relationship with her. And we had a discussion and we came to the conclusion that until you decide to have a relationship with me, you won't see your grandkid. And his response was, I'll never bother you again. The ultimate form of rejection. I'm going to praise this woman publicly. I, publicly for staying sane and rooted because that would have took a lot of people out and turned and said, if that's what God is, finger out. But she said no. She leaned in. She's one of the strongest people I know. I know today it should not be that way in the natural, but because she understands that she has a spiritual father who will never leave her or forsake her and decided I'm going to lean in and trust you that has helped her move through forms of rejection that would have bound other people up and now can walk free today solid, solid. What do you do? What do you do when rejection comes knocking at your door? in the form that it does, because you know it does. What is your response to that form? Is it, I'm going to take it and lean into God, because I know that he's my source? Or do you become a victim and turn back the other way and take your ball home and say, guess it doesn't work for me. God's heart is, take it, let the tear run down your face, and move in. That's how you get built. That's how you overcome. That's how you win. It's not turning back the other way and saying, I didn't get my way, so I'm leaving. Who says you're supposed to get your way all the time? Could it be that it's God's protection in your life? That rejection is God's protection? Could it be that God is allowing that to take place so that you don't get hooked up to that and you move into God and say, yeah, this is where I needed to be all the time? God knows where you need to be. More than you do, even if you cry for it and have to suffer. God says, believe me, this is what you want because I'm freeing you from all that stuff that has you entangled. You'll know me as your father. It doesn't matter if they reject you or not. Where is your hope? It has to be in Jesus. It can't be anything else. No one else. He's not absent. He's present. God shows up when other people don't show God shows. I can't tell you how many times that I've been disappointed just by people. They don't show. They don't do what they say they're going to do. But God always shows up in the end and says, I got you. You did what I asked you to do. I'm proud of you. That's where you want to be because what it does is it pushes you to continue to do what God has called you to do regardless of the response. Stop being so response-driven. 
Because when you're response-driven, it means that rejection, that root is still in there. I'm worried about what's going to happen if you will continue to move into God. God will help free you from the response. Because the response for a lot of people is what dictates how they live their life. Y'all, I would have quit this church a long time ago if it wasn't for God saying, keep doing it. You're part of something bigger. Keep doing it. I'm building something. People need to know that I'm for them. Not, this is not the message the body hears. But I'm going to use you, and the more I use you and you have a relationship with me, I'm going to free you from all that stuff. And Misty, me and Misty dealt with that the first couple of years. She says, you know what? Whatever. She had to work through her own process of rejection because for her, when people don't show, it's a form of rejection that come against, it comes against something in her as a social creature and an extrovert. For me, I'm a little bit opposite. So I got through it a little bit different than she did because God, when he called me, he said, son, already off the bat, this is going to be different. Don't even try to figure it out because if you do, you're going to want to quit because this is not what everybody's doing. And having to not explain myself frequently is a breath of fresh air. Because I'm telling you, and I'll tell you again, we have talked so much in this church about what the core values are and what we do. You should wake up in conversation and say, we do three things here. There's no doubt the vision of this church is to empower people to freedom in Jesus Christ. That is the vision of this house. But with that vision comes attack. It comes people's perception of what that looks like. They think numbers equates to freedom. You're not free until Jesus sets you free. Until what was holding you is no longer holding you. And you can walk confidently to know that I'm doing what God's called me to do. The response does not bother me as much anymore. And the more I walk with Jesus, the less it affects me. And that's where you want to be. John the Baptist got his head cut off from calling out a king's sin. We look at the Bible as stories. Oh, how do they deal with that back then? It's the same God who was back then. He's calling you to do stuff now. He was imprisoned because he was bold enough to do what God called him to do. Jesus died on a cross for you, knowing that many would reject him, but said, it's not my will, Lord, but it's yours be done. And forgive them, by the way, in the process, because they have no idea what they're doing. Are you at that point? Well, regardless of the response, you're going to do it anyway. There are things that you may not see fruit from this year. But the more you do it, the more you're going to see things are changing. Because you don't sow in the natural. You sow in the spiritual. And when you sow in the spiritual, you reap a harvest that is going to come back to you in different ways. How do you know that? The things that you're sowing into, that as you're doing that, God's not freeing you and breaking off generational curses in your life as you're doing it. Listen, when you're fearful about things and you do things that God has asked you to do in fear, guess what happens? That hold of fear begins to break off your life the more you do it. It's not like, well, and this is what people do. I'm waiting for fear to break off of me. Give me a pill. This is what we do. We want to medicate it. I've got anxiety. Oh, take this pill. And it becomes something that we gravitate to. And God said, if you would just get with me and allow the Spirit of God just to move in your life, I will break you free from stuff. But people don't want to work it out. 
It's working out your salvation with fear and trembling. They want the fix. Give it to me now so that I can just feel good now. And it becomes something that they have to do every single day. you got to work this thing out. And it's not pretty. And we try to worship God, and then the people are worshiping God. They're crying. Why? Struggling. God's just bringing freedom into their life because that's what I like to see. I like to see people who are crying and struggling because it means they're moving towards something. They're actually doing something. Oh, you want something to change? And then I see, oh, they're actually starting to do that. I heard tonight when I came in, Jeff Payne Sr. said, you know what? I just heard he wants to start getting on Pro Presenter and start running the rotation. Praise God, Jeff, for saying, you know what? I want to just start doing something. Why? We love God. We embrace community. We serve the world. You have to be able to catch that here. There has to be something here that you catch. It's like, I've got to do something for God. I'm powered is coming up. And power is going to be on a different level this year. And then the enemy's fighting over that level. And it's an opportunity for God to break out. This is what the body, this body has been called to do. Empower the body to freedom in Christ. And the enemy's like, no, I'm going to hold on to that last stitch effort to get you to stop from elevating off the ground. I'm going to keep reminding you of what you didn't get when you were a kid and trying to hold down that. But you got to kick that devil off and say, no, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Come hell or high water, you are in a fight. And you can't just sit and not be moved. If this house doesn't move you, I don't know what house will. Some people have moved on because they don't want to be moved. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What do you want? Okay. Power of the body to freedom. Because I'm calling you to people who need it outside this body. And that's the grace that's on this body. It's an outside grace. I'm just telling you, it's an outside grace. Everybody in here has job. I have a job outside of here. It's an outside of grace. Because the world needs what the body has, what this body has. It's a spirit, of, a spirit of freedom that God has brought into this house and empowerment. Most of y'all in here who have been in this journey are light years ahead of where you were. And there's a strength in the body and God's calling this body to affect other bodies. You've got to sense that. You can't have a small-minded perspective and say, well, this is all. You've got to be able to see it on a different level. It's not just about here. God is kicking all that stuff out and say, think higher. Third question, does your fear of God result in you dissing his prompts or drawing close to his will? And you know what I mean about prompting? Spirit of God prompts you to do something and you ghost him. Like you didn't hear it, you heard it. Is that really you, Lord? You know it's me. How many of y'all been in that relationship with God? Because we do that, we struggle. We're like, I don't think that was the Lord. I'm really been, I don't think it was him. I don't think it was him at all. And you're just fighting through. I think it was the enemy. The enemy was really just working on me. And what we do is that we give more credit to the enemy than we do to the Lord. The Lord's asked you to do it. He told me the other day, he said, start writing your second book. Again, I, I said, okay, he's been talking to me about it. But he's been faithful. Because you know what happens sometimes in a fast? All hell breaks loose. And then you forget things in your life. And people start saying weird stuff and things happen. You cannot make decisions. By the way, you cannot make decisions during a fast. Stop doing it. Because every time you get all the fast, you get back in your right mind. Like February 1st comes and everyone's like, oh, my God, isn't God good? Everyone comes back in the right mind. Because their mind is going crazy. If you're really fasted, your mind is going crazy during the month. And we don't just fast for five days here. We're like the full 31. So we're, we're crazy fasters. 
So, of course, we fast crazy, and all of a sudden stuff starts happening in your life. God starts breaking some real things off and moving you closer. And the more you move to God, the more you realize what he asked you to do he was serious about. Serious. And just start being obedient. God does not forget what he asked you, by the way. Even though sometimes you get absent-minded. So one thing I love about him is a long memory. Forgives the sin, but loves you. Remember what he's asked you to do. Unfailing love. Unfailing. Here's my challenge as we go into this week. Move into God when the draw is there. And you know what I mean by the draw? The draw. When he starts to draw on you in and your faith is at attention. Because there are things that he wants to speak to you about specifically. I was at my house yesterday. I'm going to tell you about the draw so you understand what the draw looks like. Missy asked me yesterday, what's going on with you? I said, I've been fighting my head off. Just wrestling. In the fast, just wrestling. Of course, fighting over things and things happening in my life and believing God for bigger things. Just fighting over stuff. Family of origin stuff, just trying to pop back up and trying to put it back down. Just fighting stuff. At the same time, God, I need to start writing again. So I'm in the computer writing. But before I did that, it was like the Lord... Again, I felt like prompted me like he did when he first asked me to start the church eight years ago. And I knew it. I'm like, felt like he was in the room and said, oh, I'm here. And only you know what that looks like for you. And for me specifically, just as we talked about in Team Rally today and also in prayer, how specific it was for you, how God draws you in because he knows you. And if you know God, the Bible says, my sheep, hear me. They know my voice, and I knew it was him. And immediately I'm like, yes, I'm here. And I felt like, yes, sir. And it's a reminder, chief's still in charge. No one else. I got you where I want you. And it makes the fight worth serving the commander-in-chief when he recognizes, I see it, and I see you, and I got you. Drew in, speaking, and listening. But fighting at the same time. Don't don't miss that. Don't miss that. It, you got to fight to get in the presence of God and to stay there. It's not like all of a sudden God just did a little Mary Poppins or a bed knots and broomstick and did the nose thing. And all of a sudden it was done. No, stay in the fight. And even as he was speaking, just fighting. And my, my soul, because where God tries you is in the mind. There are two people trying you right now. The enemy is going to try you up in your mind. But God, the Bible says swiftly, he tries you in your mind. That's where the battle is. It's always going to be up here. So who's winning it? Who's winning it? At the same time, God is speaking to you. you got to fight over all that stuff. The enemy's trying to lay up on you at the same time. I'm telling you, this ain't going to do nothing. You know what I did last time? This is not going to impact people. Just fighting the whole time and saying, I'm doing it anyway. Do it anyway. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And later on, recognizing and understanding that if God is for me, who could be against me? And taking that into the process. Because why? Learn to accept that there is a fight over your destiny. You got to just learn to accept it. It's not just going to happen for you. I'm sorry if they didn't tell you this in Bible class and CCD, those of y'all who grew up in the Catholic Church, there's a fight over your destiny. And God's drawn you in for a reason because it's specific for you. Don't be afraid of what that looks like because the awe of God brings you to a place of vulnerability. What has God called you to do?
in this season. There are people here right now you don't need to, you need to reach out to. But regardless of their response, what is God calling you to do in this season? And do it. I'm waiting for God to push me and prompt me. Consider this your push. And this was a light one. He's not interested in giving you milk. Most of y'all have been off that. Sons and daughters. Fighters. Fighters. Not passive. Fighters. I don't feel like doing it. I'm doing it anyway. Because what it does is it says that I'm not going to let my feelings dictate how I live my life. I'm going to let what I know to be true to lead me. And when I do that, notch on the belt just got stronger. My faith goes up another level. I can't do it. I'm going to do it anyway. Why? Because I'm not going to let my inferiority stop me from doing what God has called me to do, but stepping out in faith regardless of what it looks like. I don't know. I don't know what the response is going to be. It could be that God wants to bless you immeasurably. It just means that you might have to get over yourself and do it. And know that along the way, there's going to be some lions and tigers and bears along the way. And there's going to be a witch. There's going to be a spirit behind that just throwing stuff at you, trying to get you to quit, trying to get you confused, trying to get you thinking that it's not going to work. But you got to understand who you are. you got to understand that every curse can be broken in Jesus' name. Every mental block can be released in Jesus' name. Everything that's been holding you can be broken in Jesus' name. But you got to work for it. You got to fight. You got to stay in it and work it out. When you feel the tug, move in because God's trying to do something. The longer you stay out, the harder it's going to be. He wanted the Israelites into the promised land faster. Faster. But because of their complaining and their disobedience, it took 40 years for the older generation to die out. So the younger generation can go in. The Joshua generation can go in. God has called this church to go in. We are going in the promised land. It's happening now. The next month is going to be crazy as things get ready to go off. <laughs> not, guys, notwithstanding, not just conference, you're in an election year. There are things happening on a bigger level. The whole stage is being set. God is getting the body ready. Get ready physically, he said. Emotionally, get things on tap. Just get ready spiritually. Be guarded. Be strong. Let's get ready to go in and take it. God said, I'm setting it all up. Are you ready? Are you ready? And people may not go with you, but are you okay with the response of not going and saying, it doesn't matter. I'm going. I'm going. Because God has promised me. I'm going and I'm going to get what God has called me to do. I'm not going to be like Moses who didn't get to go in because he feared the people more than he feared God. Because why? When I fear people, it brings a snare. Do you love being bound? Fear people. You want freedom? Fear God. Every hand up in the room if we could. Lord Jesus, tonight. It's your awe that inspires us to keep moving. No matter what the response is, no matter what we think it's going to be, thank you, Lord, that our mind is steadfast and set upon you. We're not perfect, but we know you are. Thank you for giving us the strength to say yes and to go after it and do what you've called us to do because we know the Spirit of God is more than able, more than able. 
every house represented in this building tonight will see the goodness of God. This year, this year, there will be breakthrough this year. There will be an outpouring of your spirit this year. There will be a further reach of the gospel this year in our spheres of influence in our community as you begin to spread us out. We thank you, Lord, that you're getting the body ready for a great outpouring. We thank you that the enemy's already defeated. Thank you for the strength that's in the body now. Let me ask you this real quick. How many of y'all are in the middle of a fight right now? You feel it? You just feel it swarming around you right now. Lord, for the level of fight that people are in, thank you for the grace that's sufficient, that matches it. And as they continue to go up in you and lean in when you prompt, thank you, God, that you're going to give them the grace and the boldness to say yes to whatever it looks like. Thank you, God, that the fight is good for us. Yes, it's good for us. Thank you that in this body, we recognize it's good for us and that we, we go after it. Thank you for building in us a faith that's going to last. That's not going to die out in time. We thank you, Lord, that we have a hope that does not disappoint, and that's Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that your promises never fail. And we stand on those promises tonight that he who began a good work in us will complete it.